say it with me. I am with you. Come on, the people at the back. I am with you. That's what God's promise is to us. He says, I'm with you. Whatever you're going through, I'm with you. In your loneliest moment, God says, I'm God says, I'm with you. What a promise that God has given us. All you need to do to have God say, I'm with you, is to have a relationship with Him, to invite Him into your life. And perhaps you're here today and you haven't done that. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity that decision. If you missed last week's message, get online, listen to the podcast, and that would be great. Let's close our eyes and just pray. God, I just thank you for this season that we're in. God, it's just a reminder of, of, of being fulfillment of your promise to bring mankind back into relationship with you. It ends at the cross, but it starts with Jesus being born in a manger. I just thank you, Lord, that we would always keep focused on that. Bless our time together this morning in Jesus' mighty name. said, Amen. The big promise of God is Emmanuel. Remember we spoke about that last week, God with us. It literally means, one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. The thing is that while God has promised to always be with us, so good at reciprocating that back to God, yeah? At times, God says, I'm with you. And, well, actually, it's, it's easy for us to say, God, I'm with you. Yeah, it's easy to say that, but sometimes that's not the actions of our life. It's not so easy to do. God, I'm with you. Okay, love that person. God, I'm with you. Okay, take up your cross. God, I'm with you. Okay, forgive. God, I'm with you. Okay, change your desires. God, I'm with you. Serve others. God, I'm with you. Just a little bit of a pause and, when we're, and we can think to ourselves perhaps, God, uh, just hang on a moment. Just, just a moment. Just one moment. You know, my, my, my youngest son, Roman, he likes to say, hey, just, a, just, just a moment. Just a, just a moment, Dad. Like he's trying to tell me, pause. Pause, you know, it's like, God, I, I sure I want to take that next step in obedience to you. I'm just not sure. And we all want God with us, but we don't want the inconvenience that God sometimes brings. I don't know if you've ever noticed that sometimes of our lives. I love what Erwin uh, uh, McManus has to say. He says, if you want to experience heaven on earth, Get ready to have your life disrupted by God. See, oftentimes God moves in our life. The plans that we have, He challenges us, changes things. Sometimes God comes in a way that is not expected, in a time when we don't expect it. And truth be told, most of us are hoping that God... Does anyone remember the story of Mary? Church, close your eyes. Let your imagination go wild. Okay, it's a, it's a starry night. The stars are out, twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. The stars are twinkling. There's some beautiful harp music playing in the background. Don't know where that come from, but it's just appeared out of nowhere. These beautiful strings. And boom, out of nowhere. Come on, keep your eyes closed. Suddenly, an angel appears all supernatural and miraculous and just out of nowhere. And, and, and I don't know what he looks like to you. Maybe tall, dark, and handsome, or maybe... Short, round, and fat. I don't know, but this angel appears, and in a voice of a thousand waterfalls, he speaks and says, God is going to use you mightily. You're like, wow. God's, God's going to use me mightily. Your life will never be the same. And like, you got goosebumps. And then you look closer at your goosebumps, and wow, your goosebumps have got goosebumps. 
you got these, then it's just like, wow. And, and you're like, you, he says, you are going to have a son. And you, he will be the son of the most high. And it will be a virgin birth. And okay, everyone wake your eyes. And that last sign, like, have, have a son? Have a son? Like, and all the, all the guys are like, have a son? How, what, how, 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 angel? But, you know, have a son? What? I don't know about this. But, you know, that's, that's, that's how we want. God's interruptions. I don't know about you, but that's how I want. If God's going to interrupt my life, I want him to become strong, mighty, bold, this huge plan. Bronson, it's going to be amazing, something like that. Well, almost five years ago, Gabby and I, we, we had a little disruption in our life. It wasn't an angel, but it was a pregnancy test from Woolworths. $8 test. Come home, wife crying at the back door. I see my wife crying. I start crying like, this can't be good. Well, I want to rewind what I just said then about this can't be good. It was actually a blessing for our lives. Little Roman, four years old, such a blessing to our lives and so many others. But, you know, let me tell you for us, and I'll also tell you that Roman definitely isn't the son of the most high God. You know, there's a few things going on there. And so Mary, she gets this big angel announcement to, to the disruption of her life, and that's that's what we want. You know, I want, we want God to come like that. And yet, in the story of Mary, there's another person. There's another person involved in this story. There's another uh, uh, guy, and his name is Joseph. And for him, the experience is a little bit different. It's different than the experience that Mary has. And here's how it goes down for Joseph. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it if you wish, or it's going to be on the screen behind me. Matthew 1, 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was expected to be, in, was, sorry, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement. Mary, boom, angel, waterfalls. You're going to have a son. You're going to call him Jesus. All these amazing things. Joseph gets a text message from Mary. Hey, Joseph, you want to come over to my house? When he gets there, she says, I'm pregnant. Joseph's like, okay. He's, he's, he's walking out the door, you know. like he's, he's turning around, walking out the door. She says, but it's okay, Joseph. Don't worry. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Like, that's pretty funny. Like, if my wife said that to me, I'd be like, eh, don't know about that. Eh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Was that Holy Spirit like a nickname or something? Like, you know? And, 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 and so Joseph's life is changed forever. His path of his life is disrupted by God, never to be the same. What do you do when your life is disrupted? What is your attitude in that time? Who do you turn to? Who do you look to? What do you think? Many of us in that moment, we spit the dummy. We turn on, blame someone else. We look around. Who can I accuse? Who can I, you know, who can I pass this on to? And yet we don't realize that perhaps there's a possibility that in all the mess, God is positioning us for our greatest moment yet. Could it be? Is it possible? Is, it, is, is there a way that the God Almighty could take the mess of our life and turn it into the greatest moment ever? Like, I don't know about you, but I believe God can. I believe we serve a God like that. The interesting thing about Joseph is 
the Bible really doesn't tell us a whole lot about him. It tells us about Joseph in this story here. It tells about another story where Joseph packs up his family and heads down to Egypt to escape the persecution of the babies that are occurring when Jesus is born. And then there's another story where it talks about how Mary and Joseph lose Jesus in Jerusalem. Like, imagine that. Like, they lost God in Jerusalem. How bad is that, you know? But just a side note here, don't laugh too much. Sums of life, we lose God too. Challenging myself here today. But that's about all we hear about Joseph. He's so unlike other male Bible characters in the Bible. Like, every, like most of the other characters in the Bible, they're like, they're like mighty men of war. You know, they're like, they got two swords in, their, in each hand, a sword tucked away here, a sword there. You know, like they, they're warriors. They're going into battle, or they're like a king, or they're a prince, or they're a prophet, prophesying like a Samuel or, or Elijah. They're a prophet, or they're an apostle like Paul or John, and these guys going out and doing these things. But Joseph is just Joseph. Like he's nothing special. He's just Joseph. Maybe he's a little bit like some of us here today. He's just like a normal guy, Joseph. But even though Joseph is kind of just Joseph, I think there's a few things that we can learn from him today. I want to share a couple of points with you if you're taking notes. Number one, Joseph was a man. Write that down. Joseph was a man of character. Uh, Matthew 1.19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I'm not sure if you're aware of the times that Mary and Joseph lived in, but they're much, much different than the times that we live in today. And if Joseph wanted to, he could have gone before the religious leaders of the day. He could have brought a claim against Mary. He could have accused her of sleeping with another man, of, of, of being sexually active with another man and being pregnant with a child that wasn't his, and it would have been disastrous for Mary. It would have had a profound effect on her life because the, the, the commandment for adultery in the Bible was death by stoning. So she could have been taken out by the religious leaders, surrounded in a circle, and stoned to death. Praise God, we don't live under that old test for his freedom, his, not freedom to do wrong things, but I thank God for his grace that we're underneath the new covenant today. But instead, he decided to break the engagement quietly. What does Joseph do? He protects instead of prosecuting. Man, I love this. He protects instead of prosecuting. See, he could have shamed her, but he covered her. He could have, you know, pulled her down, but he didn't do those things. He protected her. That's a man of character. So many people relish shaming other people. Something goes wrong. They do something wrong in their lives. So many people just of their guilt. And I'm not condoning living a life that is unsanctified for Jesus. But what I am saying is that we live a life where we say, you know what? There but by grace of God go I. So you know what? I'm going to leave God's grace to them. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with them and convict their lives. He says, I'm going to protect. Our light never gets brighter by dimming others. Have you ever felt, have you ever noticed that? You pulling down someone else never, ever makes your light shine brighter. brighter. It just doesn't. 
And so Joseph decides he's not going to go to the authorities. He's not going to tell the religious leaders. He's going to make an excuse for her. He's going to find a way to hide it, find a way that Mary will survive. But he's leaving. He's going. He's not going to hang around. He's trying to figure out a way. How can I, how can I protect Mary? But I'm going. I'm not staying. Like I'm leaving. Like I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, a, man, I'm a man of character, but I'm not going to take this on as well, you know. But, but look what it says when it continues on to the next verse. Verse 20 says this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he has a vision. He has a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. How amazing is that? This is from God, confirmation of the scriptures that were written so long ago. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph has this dream, this vision from God, and from that does a 180 degree, changes his mind, decides, you know what, this is God's plan. So he goes and marries Mary, and again shows that he is a man of character. You know, decisions made on the spur of the moment are shaped on one's character developed over a long period of time. Let me tell you, you never make a spur of the moment decision. That decision you have developed in your life over a long period of time. So if you're making Bad spur of the moment decisions. Can I just suggest maybe have a look at the character you've been building up in your life over the life you've been living. If you're making good spur of the moment decisions, let me, let me encourage you, keep leaning into God. Keep leaning into Jesus to develop that godly character that God wants you to have in your life. See, Joseph was obedient to God. And can I suggest that for Joseph to be obedient to God in such a big life-changing decision, Joseph had been obedient to God in small obedience matters in the past. You know, you don't make big decisions for God without first making some small decisions for God. To be obedient in different areas. Before you can be obedient to God in big life decisions, you have to start with small steps of obedience. You know, everything in Joseph would have been screaming, Get out! Get out! Run! Head for the hills. Get out. The Great. Think of your reputation, Joseph. What are people going to say about you? Run, run. But Joseph is obedient to God and God's plan for his life. Despite the inconvenience, the disruption, the cost, Joseph uh, says yes to God and he says yes to Mary. Joseph was a carpenter. Wasn't a king, wasn't a prince, wasn't a warrior, wasn't an apostle. He was only a carpenter, but his character was more important than his talent. Let me tell you something character is always more important than talent. Can I just speak? Like, I'm speaking to everyone here today, but can I especially speak to young people right now? Your character is so much more than important than your talent. 
Can I even take a little bit step further? Maybe I'm talking to young people here, maybe some older people. If you're looking for someone to live your life with, for someone to partner with and to marry one day, can I tell you, look at the character of their life. It looks okay, whatever, money in the bank, whatever, family background, whatever, you know, intelligence, whatever, all these things. They're good, yes, important, yes. But can I say there's something more important, the character that they have, the character, look at the decisions they make, look at the way that they speak to their family, look at the way that they treat you, the character. Because let me tell you something, all those other things can go. Man, when I was 20, whoa, whoa, man, but look at me now. It all goes, you know, like when I was 20, my bank account, whoa, and it's empty now. A wife and three kids, it's all gone. All those things will go, will go, but character stays. Young people, young girls, young men, I want to just encourage you, old people, old women, old guys, if you're looking as well, you know, I want to encourage you. Character, integrity, honesty, loyalty, self-control, responsibility, kindness, characteristics you want to look for in a person to show you that they have what? Character, that they have character. So God, he looks at Joseph and he sees a man of character. And God was only going to trust heaven on earth to a man who had character. Number one, Joseph had character. Number two, Joseph was there for others. If the keys could come, that would be great. Number two, Joseph was there for others. Joseph was in the right place at the right time. Have you heard that saying, being in the right place at the right time? You know, we talk about maybe uh, business entrepreneurs. Man, that guy was in the right place at the right time. Or, or, that, or that, that businesswoman, she was in the right place at the right time. Well, Joseph was at the right place at the right time, but not for himself. Instead, for Mary and Jesus. For Mary and Jesus, we need to understand that maybe the right place and the right time is not about you, Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, it's not all about you, man. Maybe you being in the right place at the right time is about someone else, not yourself. And that runs so counter to the Western view of Christianity. It's so counter to the way that we view things, man. It's like the future is bright. Man, the best is yet to come. Born for more. Like, like, I love those statements. I believe them. Like, I believe speaking into the spirit realm around you. I believe de- de- building an environment, an atmosphere of positivity and faith and declaring those things. I believe those things. And yet, maybe the future is bright for someone else. Maybe the best is yet to come for that other person. Maybe born for more is for someone else. And and you're here today like, I didn't come here for this negativity. No, no, I'm trying to encourage us to look outside of ourselves. Joseph had to look past and encourage us. Can we be a church that looks past my needs, my wants, my desires to see what is God doing around me? What is God wanting me to impart into someone else? I wonder if we'd be willing to be a Joseph to be interrupted, to be inconvenienced by God, for God's plans to be used by God for someone else. The Apostle Paul, I love what he has to say. He he knew about serving others. 
and there's this passage in 2 Corinthians, and I, I just love it, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and he's talking, he's writing this letter, and he says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, hard-pressed, pressure, man, there's just like, like, like just, just things, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, crushed, perplexed, what, what, what's going, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. God, Paul's saying, hey, I want you to know that we're going through something here. We're going through something. We're facing something. We're going through something. And sometimes it doesn't look too good. It's not easy. And yet, four verses later, he follows it up. In verse 12, he says, so then, death is in work in us. He says, death is in work in us. But life, life, but life is in work in you. Paul says that. He says, what, what does he mean? He says, I want you to know that what we're going through, is, it's like a death. It's like we're dying here. We're going through this thing. But when we look at you and we see the life that you are living because of the hard work, the press, the perplexion, the, the anxiety, the pressure, all these things, when we see the life, that God is bringing to you everything we're going through. It's worth it. Everything we're experiencing for someone else, it's worth it. Being at the right place at the right time isn't about making my life more count. about serving others. Have you thought that maybe what you're going through is so that one day you can help someone else? What you're experiencing, God might want to use to help someone else someday. You know what we do here on Sundays and how amazing is it to be back in church two weeks in a row. So amazing to see your faces, to worship God together, to pray together, to do this, how amazing it is. But you know, every Sunday when we come here, I want you to know I'm not doing this for me. And I hope when you come, you're not doing this for you, but you're doing it because you see someone who will come in those doors, who don't know Jesus, and they're searching, they're looking for answers, or they've had a tragedy in their life, and they're calling out to someone, does anyone hear me? Does anyone want to see what I'm going through? They're hurting, and they're searching for the meaning of life. And we don't do church for us, you know what I mean? We do it for the people that do it, so that when people come, they would find Him, and know Him, experience Him, Sometimes we're so blinded by our own plans in life that we don't realize that the disruptions that come along in our own life, maybe they're God. And I'm not saying, filter this through the Bible, filter this through the Holy Spirit, but maybe could it be that the disruption is God wanting to make you pause for a moment to stop being so inward focused and to look outward to see what He might be doing to make a difference in someone's life. I pray we never miss God's disruptions. I pray that I never myself miss the disruptions of God. God wanting to speak to me. God wanting to use me to make a difference in someone's life. You never know the difference you might make. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says this, the most important contribution you make to the kingdom might not be something you do, but someone you raise. Might not be something you do, but someone you raise might not be something you do, someone you raise, speaking to someone's life 
you're an example to them. They see the character, the godly character of your life. They look to you. They see Jesus in you, the way you live your life, the way you treat people, the way you do things. They see that example and they say, wow, it makes a difference on their life. And they go on and do something amazing, something great, something awesome. My prayer for my children and for your children is that they would do more, so much more than I've ever achieved in my life. That they would have so much more influence in their world, that they would see so much more of God moving in their life. I pray for my children. I pray a double portion of any anointing that maybe I might have. You all remember that story? Elisha asked Elijah, I want a double portion of the anointing that you have. I pray that for my children. I pray that for your children, that they would see so that someone without you, they wouldn't be where you are. But here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. We're not like in the world where someone else, when they're doing well, we get jealous and we get angry and we get upset. Why? Let me tell you, when someone's winning, we're all winning. When someone's celebrating, we're all celebrating because when they're winning, we're winning because we're the church. All of us, the church is winning when you're winning. As far as we know, Joseph was just there. You know, he never did anything awesome in his life. There's no book in the Bible called Joseph. You know, there's no, he's not talked about in Hebrews 11 about the, the, the mighty men and women of faith. Joseph's not in there. Well, I fact check that, but I'm pretty sure, 99.9% sure he's not in there. He never did anything awesome with his life other than he was the one that God entrusted to hold the Son of God. He was a little defenseless baby. Joseph held him in his hands. He was the one who put food on the table for Mary and Joseph, provider provision. He did those things. Protector. He did those things. He was the one who helped little child Jesus to stand, to walk, encouraged him, to talk him with running. And then as he grew, grew older, he encouraged him in business and to become a carpenter and showed him how to work and do all those things. He was, he was, he was Joseph. He, he probably faced years of Standing up for a boy, you've got, to, you've got to realize the times that they lived in. You know, he's standing up for this boy that was born under questionable circumstances. He, he, he probably lived a life where, he, you know, there was gossip spoken about his reputation, all these kinds of things. He still was there. He may have just been Joseph, but God used him. So you are in the right place at the right time, and Jesus wants to make you the right person. The call of God. The call of God for your life can take you on the greatest adventure you can imagine. You know what, Joseph, we don't know much about him. But wow, God used him to be the earthly father for Jesus. What a privilege. What an amazing thing. God used him in that way. An invitation from God to be part of God's plan for us. What might seem as an inconvenience may in fact be invitations from God to something greater and maybe where Joseph's in the story of someone else's lives. Hey, look, you could be. You could, maybe you are uh, King Jehoshaphat. Maybe, maybe you are, you know, the, an apostle or a prophet. Maybe you are all these things. But maybe, maybe you're a Joseph. But when Emmanuel, God is with us, we know the story is never about us, but someone greater. Can I tell you, those kings, those warriors, those prophets, those apostles, it's never about them always about someone greater. It was always about the promised Messiah. 
It was always about someone greater. Can I tell you today in our own lives, it's always about someone greater. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wants to know you. He wants to be involved with your life. He wants you to say, Jesus, I want you and all that you offer. All that you, Jesus, I come before you today. It's about Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray today. God, today we just thank you, Lord.